What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Movie Schmovie Podcast. This is uh, episode number 60. Uh-huh. Get into a nice round number that ends in zero once again. This yeah, is 60. This is 60. Yeah. This is 60. That, that'll come along from Town a couple years from yeah. <laughs> Anyway, episode 60 is where we're at now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to do a couple, you know, kind of split the feature thing against like a tripod. Yeah, I'd say of differing films that are kind of similar in in ways. Well, they're all sort of weird films. I was thinking about that going into this. They're all sort of weird, and they're all sort of work in some ways, and then not so much other ways. Right. It's like you know we were talking about how all the big prestige films were uh, were so long. Yeah. These movies are all mercifully brief. Yes. Mm-hmm. That works in their favor. I think they top out at an hour forty. All the ones yeah. we're talking about tonight, which at, is, at max. Yeah, and that's if you stay for all the credits. Yeah, that's true. true. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm curious. I'm curious as to what you thought about some of these films. I know this is a real throwback. <laughs> it's kind oh, of really? nice and relaxing because last episode we were here for a long time yeah. talking about a lot of really yeah. awesome oh, movies. No you know, more pressure. Just trying to recap it, Ronald. You were very. Um, Nervous, probably, I would say probably constipated. I mean, I yeah, got that was. from you a little bit yeah. during the whole episode. Emotionally um, constipated just, is, yeah. a, is yeah. a good way to describe just it. Just up. Pyramid turn came out. out after I got home. So, yeah, we're going to kind of relax a little bit. We're sort of liberated from yeah, 2012 now. I feel we're, relaxed. Just, we're, we're finally in 2013. Clean the we're slate. stepping into a new year. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're seeing some films at the front of a year. You know, usually these movies that come out at the beginning of the year, you kind of question yes. quality. That's what this episode's all about. <laughs> we, we question the quality in this episode. Hmm. Some work, some don't. Yeah. But again, I'm Steve, Ronald, Man. John, we're all here. Hello. Just like every week. Yep. And uh, I think the first movie we're going to get into is <laughs> presented by Sir Guillermo <laughs> del Toro. Another presented by. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast I think we need to have. Yes. Like where we talk about these films and how it tarnishes certain filmmakers' names. But uh, we're going to be talking about Mama. Which, oddly enough, on that yeah. tip, uh, this is a movie that he actually had quite a hand in. Yeah, 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 that's what, that's what you were telling me. It. He actually yeah. produced this one, right? So but I mean, beyond producing it, like it seemed like he did have more. Yeah, in, yeah. In the actual production of it, beyond just like slapping a name. On Supposedly, name the production offices for Pacific Rim were very near the production offices for Mama, and so he was back and forth all the time. And okay. it's interesting um, to mention that up top because th- you do feel the hand of Del Toro in this movie, and it's not always a great thing. Like I, you know, it 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 got me to thinking about how. As much as I love certain things that Del Toro has done, it, he, he, you know, even within movies that I love parts of, there's parts that don't necessarily work for me. Like I like both the Hellboy films, but I don't love them. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I like some of his previous, his earlier kind of horror stuff, but I don't necessarily love it. But there's moments in all those movies that are just wonderful. You know. Sure. I don't, I don't think you could really say that about Mama, but there, there are still scenes that, that work. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, just for a little background, I mean, for people that didn't see all the trailers for Mama, uh, basically a story about. Two girls that are found in in the wilderness um, and that are brought in by a family member and uh, trying to basically turn these girls' lives around and they're kind of followed or or continued to be monitored by some other presence mm-hmm. that they refer to as Mama. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a horror, supernatural thriller. Based on film. a YouTube short. Can we talk about that for a second? Well, yeah, it's based on a short film that happens to be on YouTube yes. as well. Yeah, I don't think he, you know, I don't think it's a YouTube produced YouTube short. didn't make that short? Yeah, well, oddly enough. The reason I bring it up They produce like a lot of content. Have you noticed that? They, that I, other movie. people are on there these yeah. days. He, you know, because the other movie was based off of a, what, a, a, a TV show, a TV movie from the 80s. Oh, what? Don't be afraid of the dark. Yeah, yeah. Don't be afraid of the dark. So yeah. I'm just giving you an idea. So of, you're drawing, is what you're doing is drawing a parallel, I think. Drawing there. a parallel 
as to the, the source material. Okay. <laughs> that he's but oddly enough, I'll say, <laughs> I don't know much about Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, the, the source material, like mm-hmm. I guess the show. Right. But or it was a TV film, it's I TV think. Film. Yeah, but this, this short, actually, the director of the short also directed the film. It's uh, Andre Machetti. Machetti. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that Machetti, right. Machetti. Machetti. Yeah. Um, Machete. The short is actually, I so thought, good. great. So I mean, good. I, w- I would say right now, I think I enjoy the short more than I actually enjoy the feature <laughs> film. Um, it's more concise. It's more to the point. I mean, you can see where someone thought if they had a feature film there. Yeah. But the right. feature film does not add to what's in the short Really, significantly yeah. for yeah, I mean, we, time. you know, with the exception of a couple cool scenes in the yeah. film, like there's nothing more I took away from the film that I would have already seen in a three minute short. Right. Mm. And the short, if you haven't seen it, like Ronald said, it's on YouTube. You can just search for Mama or Gamma del Toro. He does like a little intro to it. They kind of mm-hmm. promoted it during the week of the release for the film. Uh, let's talk about some of the things that we did think sort of worked about it. There's a scene in a cabin uh, with a camera being used to kind of light uh, the scene that, you know, so the, the, the character is having to use the flash on the camera to kind of light. The room oh, that they're in. Boy. I've seen that before. Well, it, it's you it's, have, it's, but it's, it's done it's really, done well, really well. well. It's yeah. very uncomfortable as it's happening because okay. one of the things I thought was pretty cool, like in the scenes where he actually fires the bolt, or the flash actually fires, it's like the shot freezes too. You know, yeah. like it's almost it's capturing it as if it was for the picture. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Oh, it's okay. like you're seeing the picture that that you'd see if you if you flip through the camera most, which is yeah. creepy because then when it picks up, mm-hmm. you're almost like two shots fat past it. You know what I mean? Oh, okay, yeah, So yeah. It, it's like you, you can't catch up. It's also it. like your it's eyes like are adjusting almost. to the dark. That's how it was. In... So what you're seeing, by the time the by the time you recognize what yeah. you're seeing, the light's dying out. Exactly. So. Silent House was had a scene exactly like that, like okay. with the no. fade and all that I stuff. I haven't seen that yet. Eh. The original was really good in comparison, but... Yeah, right. Yeah. But I mean, that, yeah, that's the scene yeah. that I think really works. That sounds I mean, really cool, though. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, I agree. That's a scene yeah. that does work. Isolated moment that yeah, works. Yeah, and that, that's what I, that's all I keep thinking about when I think about the movie. I mean, like, I actually think, like, even the opening shot, you know, the opening scene of the film, like, where mm-hmm. we kind of get a little bit of a backstory that builds up to how these girls get to the cabin, the yeah. cabin, um, like, with, you know, the family and, and what actually puts them there. All is kind of shot kind of cool, um, you know. And the child actors are actually pretty good this time around. Yeah, uh, Megan... Carpentier and Isabel and Elise. Yeah. I mean, I think we talk about kid actors quite a bit that are not good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, these two kids were great. I thought. And they were very different. Yeah. Like, they're playing very different. Like, the, the idea is when the two little girls are lost out in the woods, um, you know, one of them's much older than the other one. So whatever happens to them from the time that they're out there makes more of an impression on the younger one, who's right. basically oh, okay. like a, a one-year-old when, yeah. when they're abandoned out there, whereas the other one's, what, four or something, yeah. like three or four. four. And so she has a little bit more of an attachment to the kind of real world, and she's able to kind of adapt back into it more. Like John just said, it, it's kind of cool to see them when they get into this new element, into this home where, um, well, we Jessica Chastain plays the, the, the female lead in the film, the, the girlfriend of, uh, of the uncle of these girls. Yeah. Um, what, what what is his name? I can I can never remember his name. I was known from Jamie Lannister. Uh, he you know seeing them get into this home and like how they um, adjust to having you know a parental figure or like a mother father figure in the in the uncle and his girlfriend. It's kind of cool. Like John was saying, like the one Nicolaj Coster Waldo. There you go. Let's just call you. him Jamie Lannister. Lannister works for me. <laughs> um, you know, seeing how each girl adjusts differently to this home, you know, like the one, like the younger one, like John said, is a little more, she's like a fair, they're both kind of like feral children mm-hmm. when they find them. But the one is so deeper into it because of the age that she was when this happened. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you see the older daughter, like, or the older child, like kind of starting to react to Jessica Chastain's character 
and like kind of warming up to this environment that is meant to be inviting and the other one still kind of is very animalistic in like how she sleeps and how she goes outside and it's just kind of cool to see how they both react differently which i like that it actually went through the trouble of differentiating these two kids like they're just not on the same level at all and that comes into play later in the film too not to ruin anything about the rest of the film but you kind of see um where one has a hold of a new life and one is kind of holding on to the life that they pretty much have known for the majority of their life mm. yeah which i mean it's i which, thought it was kind of interesting right and I, I right up till the climax of the movie they're playing out that kind of choice the different options right so i would say if there's anything this movie does that's really interesting is the way that it ends is kind of an interesting note like it, it's not you know you make that mental list of what's going to happen at the end of a movie sometimes i don't know if you ever do that when you're like well this is going to end one of these two or three ways right this movie manages to end in a way that you might not necessarily predict or you might not think is cliche but i thought that ending the which i did think was kind of cool was really marred by something it was almost str- really strange the way it was executed it was like sort of drawn out like uh, shots that needed to last 2 seconds lasted 7 seconds and the music started pumping and it was this that whenever the music would really kick in, it wasn't even really played for uh, for scares. It was played. It was like that kind of Tim Burton. It's like a kind, whimsical kind of whimsical, or... like magical kind of scariness. Mm. You know, with like very, very, very Tim Burton. Yeah, know? I agree. And that's another pl- place where I sort of thought, you know, that's something Del Toro does. Is kind of if you look at all of his movies, there's always a certain amount of. Uh, it's it's the the stuff that's creepy is also to sort of inspire awe. And I think he, if he were directing it, he might have been able to make that ending really work emotionally. But as it is, it feels like it's got the del Toro touch of kind of mixing the heart with the scares. Sure. But it's executed in a slightly less sure-footed way. So it's just, it it really, like, the plot at the end was one of the more interesting things about it. But the the execution of the end was one of the worst things about it. Yeah, it's kind of a ballsy ending. I mean, it's not like very pleasant really at all and i think it just gets kind of like gets bogged down by like a lot of explanation Mm -hmm. that just makes it look stupid almost at times and the cgi towards the end i think just goes crazy for me or did for me no right it really bothered me you know we were talking ronald or you were saying how you like when supernatural stuff has rules to it there are rules to this one but the rules kind of it, it, it the, there's a few things that happen at the end that are just kind of like okay I guess that can happen I guess that's what we were waiting for. <laughs> yeah. um, one of the things uh, before we get too far into the the sort of effects though, uh, I was I did find the character of Mama scary. Like there was something about her that was scary when I was watching the movie. Now there's not that much to the character, but you do sort of see this. Yeah, there are scenes where you this, you, this entity you feel texture and yeah. you feel it. And when it's kind of when you're looking down the hallway and you see this shape, I mean it's um. It's just one of those scenes. It reminded me almost of uh, in uh, Record when you catch the glimpse of something kind of in the dark corridor and it's just, Mm. it's human, but it's not quite right. It's like it's a little too skinny or a little too tall or a little too twisted. It's that kind of thing. Now, the way the movie, there's nothing subtle about the way the movie uses it, but there are a few moments where what happens is so weird that it's almost funny and scary at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, I don't know, they're, they're definitely, it's, it's definitely not like, you're, it's not a piece of shit by, by a mile, but it's, it's, I remember there's one moment in the middle that, that we both laughed at, Steve, that was not intended to be funny. It's, <laughs> it's the scene where uh, Jamie Lannister, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, Nicolaj, is, uh, is in the hospital, and he has this dream sequence, this nightmare, that is one of the cornier things I've seen. <laughs> Just in well, definitely in movies. I'll say in in movies, but like because it's like, 
again, without just coming out and, and telling you exactly what happens in it, it's sort of a scene where his character has to be kind of turned on to what he needs to do and to what's really going on. And so they have sort of a character in his dream just kind of tell him, what does he say, like, go to the cabin or something like that. But it's just like... it. it, it that's the point I think where it turns where I talk about it. There's too much explaining going yeah. on. Like there's so much exposition. Like you have to just lay it out in case you get lost. This is what's happening. Mm-hmm. And let's make sure everybody in this movie is on the same page so that they're all like aware of what's happening. Right down to someone who's actually explaining what ghosts are. Exactly. There's actually a scene in the movie where at an old lady in an <laughs> evidence library. locker. I don't know what she was in, but it's like a, a room full of evidence <laughs> and this old lady in a wolf t-shirt explains what ghosts are for us at one immediately point. So, my favorite so, character in the film <laughs> anything with a wolf t-shirt That's I what, so they did have the cliche got to do some research on this so i'm gonna go to the library to learn about yes the, I, I, where, where was that supposed to be though do you remember where that was that supposed that wasn't to... like a li- it was at the library wow she he was like researching at like a library that was like old hospital records because he was looking at all the video footage of the girls interviews right. and they referenced a hospital's name that had been closed for like ever and then yeah. it's like this un, this like basically like a warehouse that I don't know. It was that's one of the things that like crazy and I don't know. There's there's that whole subplot with the psychiatrist and like the whole subplot with the he aunt. Went, I think he went to creepy doctor school. Yeah, because yeah. that guy was like the ultimate creepy doctor. The, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Those two subplots just didn't. I mean, it didn't work. They didn't really feel like necessary at all. And I guess it comes down to like, is there enough there to even make a film out of it? I don't know. Yeah. In hindsight, I mean, I, it was okay. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I can't really find myself really being much behind it and recommending it. I, I'd probably say to wait. You mentioned the effects, and it was funny. I was watching an interview with Jessica Chastain, and she referenced uh, uh, the role of Mama. Actually, like the the practical piece of it is a guy that actually was in Record, the Javier Botet or something like that. He, you know, and apparently he's like a he's a character actor that or a creature actor that does a lot of stuff in other films, like kind of acting as zombies or as his mama spirit, mm-hmm. whatever. But I mean, I think, yeah, he was pretty creepy. And in that scenes. sense, knowing that it's a guy in a costume, it really is like <laughs> it, a bony, creepy, oh, it's, thin it's, it's, monster. It's yeah. creepy. Yeah. But actually, you know, that's one of the things that bothered me a lot about it in, in sitting back and thinking about the film is I felt like I saw way too much of mama way too early and way uh... too often. Like, you know, you basically, you, you you're introduced to her in the intro of the film. There really isn't a whole lot of, you know, the Jaws factor where you know about it, but you don't see it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You see her often. And by the end, you know, when you see her in some of these uh, attack scenes or, you know, whatever, right. it's almost like comical in what's happening because you're so used to seeing it. It didn't have the scare effect on me as it did in that, like, short. Or in it did yeah. in the first couple of times I saw it in the I film. I think they were going for a kind of Frankenstein's monster thing where you sort of feel for the creature. But I think that in the end, you're right, it made it it made it much less scary, the yeah. fact that we did kind of get to see her that much. Um, it's funny how that... You were talking about that the point in the middle is when it you just was too much for you. Like, yeah. the silliness piles up pretty quick. It does. But it is it, it, it is true that about halfway in, it reaches critical mass, and you're just kind of... You find yourself just shrugging at, at the movie. Like, there's this character who's in the hospital who seems to be in a coma... And then it's not even like the attending physician who comes in. It's the actual. It's the creepy doctor of the two girls who, for some reason, is delivering the news. Yeah, uh, you know that kind of writing. And there was some really bad dialogue too. Like I actually wrote down two instances of terrible dialogue just because I thought this was something that Ronald might enjoy. Um, the the creepy doctor who I, I stress the the a guy's had an accident. He's in the hospital. His wife is there at his bedside. Who comes in and gives him the news? Is it the doctor at the hospital? No, it's the psychiatrist of the two feral children that they're raising oh. who comes in to say, 
He's responding very well to the tests. It's very likely the coma is temporary. <laughs> that was weird. And there's another scene where Nicolaj has uh, got... Uh, Jamie Lannister. Yeah, Jamie. Jaime Lannister has got uh, Jessica Chastain in the bedroom, and he wants to let her know that he loves her. And so he says, I love you, girl. It's it's partially the acting as well really? as the act, as well as the writing. <laughs> you know, oddly enough, the co-writer of this film is Neil Cross, who's the creator and lead writer of Luther. Really? Who we all love. Oh man. Or I know. Have you seen it, John? Yeah. Yeah. I mean so good. awesome show. Yeah. How the hell did he get involved with this uh, movie? Such <laughs> Oh, uh, weird. Well, I mean, I clearly a lot of talented that. people involved in this movie, though. You know, it, it like, just, it, yeah, like I don't right. think Del Toro was phoning it in. I don't think Jessica Chastain was trying to slum. I think she was trying to bring something. She's, to act, it. I, th- I mean, I and think she's, she's good. She's actually good at it for yeah. what you can do with it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And she's kind of a. She doesn't want kids, and that becomes kind of a. Again, I feel like certain things could have been made more interesting than they were. But the notion of the sort of maternal figure in the movie being someone who doesn't want kids, I think there's something interesting about that. Oh, but yeah. They don't really play with it except just to have it be oh. She doesn't want kids, and now she's got to deal with these feral right, girls. Right. So, I don't know. Overall, I'd say probably hang out until it comes on DVD or on cool. Instant. Uh, but Mama's in theaters now, and uh, if you want a horror film, maybe check it out. There's one particular cliche that I now am going to notice in every horror film, every supernatural horror film. I think I noticed it before, but now I'm really going to notice it, and that is it used to be in horror movies that the electricity would go out as a function of the story. Like, there's a, there's a storm, mm-hmm. or we know the killers cut the power lines. Or something crazy is going on and we know it's because But now it's just a fact that if there's a ghost, the lights are going to flicker. That's just something that ghosts yeah. do. It's like somewhere in the ghost rule book. That's one of the <laughs> things that they do. It's like, well, when, I, when I'm letting people know I'm here, what I'm going to do, oh. the lights are just going to flicker nonsensically. <laughs> Why is that? I don't know. It's just part of the ghost protocol, Ronald. It's just something that they do. It Not to be me, confused with the that, that the, the, the whole script was fine. And then Guillermo was like, you know what? We gotta make these lights. Wait work. a minute! Wait a minute! Wait. This doesn't. Why are those lights on? Yeah, right. Flicker those shits, please. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're right though. Every movie. I mean, it makes yeah. sense in a horror movie. The lights being out makes it much scarier. But now it's just like ah, it's just something. When, sh- when shit gets scary, your lights are gonna go out. There's there doesn't have to be any any practical reason for it. I think that's what I love when when a movie can be scary in broad daylight. That's weird. Like that's. That's some that's some scary shit. If it can you think of any particular scary in broad daylight scene? Well, I have one in my mind that I always the think of. the what's uh, the visitor, not the visitor, the one with the two people at the house. <laughs> with, wow, with the you girl. really narrowed it down you there for us. Talk about this being a great horror film. Um, the visitors, two the people at a house, strangers, strangers. None of that. Like, didn't the beginning take place in the day? Like, I feel like it wasn't night the whole time. Actually, the beginning of that shows them as they get further out to the country that you see the sun going yeah. down. So it actually... So that whole movie's it was, But, a, it, but it was in a house, though. Like, it, it was, like, lit. No lights went out. Yeah, you're right. It was like a... I guess that's what I meant. Like, no lights going out was more of the thing. The, was. the broad daylight scary scene I always think of is the scene in the village where uh, Joaquin Phoenix stabs oh, yeah. uh, Adrian Brody. Or vice versa. Yeah. Adrian Brody stabs Joaquin yeah, Phoenix. Yeah, that's, that's true. It's like a scene. It's just... Just the notion of that, that like people yeah. are playing 10 feet away and because you let your guard down, someone's able to just walk right up and do something yeah. heinous. Like, yeah, nothing that scary in this movie. Let's move no. on. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. All right. Well, uh, we'll go down the uh, you different path a bullet, here. Ronald and, uh, you want to take this one, Ronald? Because sure, you're the absolutely. one that was so damn excited to see this film. Okay, so I was very excited about this movie. What's the name uh, of it? A Glimpse Inside the Mind of Charlie Swan III. 
Now this is directed and you written. call him Charlie. You're on those kind of yeah. I think I think the film's got Charles. Charles yeah, Swan. They proper. call him Charlie most of the movie. But what's the film title called? Uh, <laughs> a glimpse inside the mind of Charles. When you Swan know him that well, you can pretty much. Now you'll remember the name. when we did our sort of sort of looking forward to 2013 episode. Ronald said mm. he already knows this is going to be one of his favorites. I, I, and when I was wow, watching the movie, I thought movie. to myself. Boy, Ronald's going to be eating those words. But I overheard a few minutes I, ago, Ronald may not be eating those words. Right. I, okay, so the movie was directed and, and written by Roman by Coppola, who who co-produces a lot of Wes Anderson's movies. Mm-hmm. So I saw the trailer. And also wrote and directed uh, CQ, CQ yeah. a long time okay. ago, but that was an interesting film. Saw the trailer. looked very interesting. It's about a graphic designer who has just broken up with his girlfriend. Um, he has a vivid, vivid imagination. And then it just kind of takes place from that point after he breaks up with her. Um, yeah, it's like he thinks in hackneyed fantasy sequences that yes. are poorly executed. He has like a mental break where <laughs> yeah. he's basically reliving. Yeah. During the course of, it almost seems like those moments in Family Guy was like, hey, you remember that time when I kicked you in the balls? Here's when I kicked you in the balls. Ah. I just kicked you in the balls. How about that dance sequence in the cemetery where they oh. so clearly are trying to hide the fact that it's a it's body? Not him, not yeah. Well, they make it well maybe enough. they're not. Maybe they're not. Like I do think this movie had no, enough I think moments. They absolutely are. Where, I think well, I think they were, but there were enough moments where they clearly wanted us to note it. Like for instance, there's a scene where Schwartzman, uh, Jason Schwartzman, who plays uh, Charles Swan's best friend, mm-hmm. and him are on horses. And it's clearly fake horses, and they're clearly poorly uh, blue screened in front of a <laughs> yeah. fake sky. Like to me, that was so deliberate. It made me think: was the horrible body double in the poorly lit cemetery? Was that was that meant to be like a, an in joke as far as how crappy it looked, or do you think we really were supposed well, to think, I, I think? Oh, gee, that could be Charlie Sheen. He's a good dancer. Yeah. Since all that stuff all of a was, sudden, he's he's thicker and more of a dancer. Yeah. Since all that stuff was in his head, I guess I kind of yeah relaxed on it a little bit surely that was intentionally lame. this is a really random thing but this is not f- it was super lame the first movie <laughs> that i realized i'd forgotten i'd forgotten that he is actually hit an hispanic man he's a hispanic man and yet he like, was in you, f- you forget about that sometimes he's an estevez he is carlos yeah you forget that he's so you're referring estevez. to the scene where he speaks, spanish he speaks spanish and sounds like he can't really speak spanish right <laughs> I thought that was so strange because I was thinking, oh, yeah, he's Carlos Estevez. Yeah. Surely he can speak Spanish, but he didn't. It seemed like he had learned it phonetically. You yeah. Know? But maybe it's just that Charlie Sheen has this style of delivery. Like I, I found he half does. the movie I thought he was actually not bad. And the other half I thought he was he was not helping. the. the I movie. mean, this movie was by no means perfect. It was really kind of <laughs> it was kind of sloppy. But I, bombs on I think movie. <laughs> but man, I, I thought there was something about it that had some heart, man. Like, I, oh, it had I thought it was. I thought it was a really cool movie. Like I didn't, I didn't, like I said, um, it movies sometimes don't necessarily have to be neat and make sense all the way in order for me to like it. Like for example, Holy Motors. Either of you see Holy Motors? Holy Motors is. I've seen it with in French, but I have not. I don't know what anybody Berserk. <laughs> that movie is berserk. Like, but it is. It's probably better than you just watch it in French. <laughs> it <probably laughs> makes more sense. It, it makes it makes a lot more. I was more. watching. It it, I was less going, Holy than, Motors. This movie yeah, is weird. it was pretty crazy. But um, I I enjoyed. No, it. I think that as far as the heart you're talking about, uh, a glimpse inside the mind of Charles Schwan Schwan I call him, uh, the third does. There is something about the processing of bad breakup mm-hmm. that i thought felt true like there is something yeah. about what his character is going through emotionally which is that before the movie even starts he's he's his relationship with his 
with a very significant woman in his life has has floundered or completely failed. And uh, so I thought that aspect of it, the way he's just obsessed with rehashing the relationship and everything, that, mm. that I did find kind of identifiable. But I'll be honest with you, this movie to me seemed like it was just a couple of script drafts away from being like a much better movie. Like that, I, I, Yeah, I, I, mean, actually, I, I actually wrote a note like it, it's, it seemed like there was like an idea there that was either a rewrite or an edit or something that's yeah. missing. But it felt so like there was something that felt so scrappy about it that I kept finding myself wanting to admire it more because it is silly and it was fun. And you yeah. could tell the actors were clearly having fun. But I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it just seemed like it lacked. Like in the end, I found myself going, oh, yay, he did think of a cover image for his friend's album. Like that right. to me was like yeah. not a climax to the movie. I thought it know? was. I, I, the, the reason why I thought it was pretty good was like it didn't really resolve itself because that's normally what it is like he was a person that was pretty stuck in his ways he was self-obsessed kind of selfish kind of an asshole to her and that didn't resolve itself but he did come to a point where he could see some light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. and that that's kind of what life is sometimes it's kind of ridiculous has no order to it it's kind of diluted by these ideas that you have so i thought it was pretty cool like i like i said i didn't think it was perfect but mm-hmm. Um, I just think I think of all the craziness going on in the movie. It's almost, I just saw it, you know, as a I don't know. I, I guess maybe as a crutch or something for the lack of what it was. Think so? Yeah, like all the musical things, like the musical cues, and like basically having like a like a like the Western, you know, fantasy, like the. The, the what was it called the SSBB or BBSS whatever SS, uh, yeah SSBB yeah Secret, Secret Society, Society of Ballbusters. Ballbusters. <laughs> like all these like vivid dreams or mm-hmm. these fantasies he made up like you know I just feel like they're they're just like set pieces to distract you from the fact that there really wasn't a whole lot going in favor for the for the movie and, and they were half baked a little bit yeah, I think yeah. I mean there were some moments in them that like it would yeah I I, I don't want to blame a movie for being low budget. No, I don't think it's just but, that. But I, just, but, I, but I do think that there there were a few... Th- it's like there were several departments in which the movie was not quite there. Like, the achievement of some of the fantasy sequences was not quite there. The, yeah. the way it was put together, the writing didn't seem like it was quite there. I mean, it does... But you can't say it doesn't have ideas. But, yeah, I would have liked to have seen... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's a version of this movie I would have just loved. But I do think if they had followed that emotional through line and, and if it had been a little more true and a little bit less kind of bizarre because personally i i found the psychotic break stuff to be less reminiscent of actual emotional turmoil and more reminiscent of just movie shorthand for someone who's got an imagination like i never really felt like i was seeing a guy's fantasies i felt like i was seeing a movie version of fantasies and it felt that felt kind of trite it's like it was almost clever and almost funny but it was not quite and so it just kind of seemed like we're supposed to think this guy has such a vivid, crazy imagination, but yeah. the stuff that he's thinking of feels very kind of and, and ped- pedestrian. And I, don't, I didn't really see any of them actually doing anything to... Like, they didn't push the story forward. Yeah, like to push any story yeah. anywhere. It, just, it was just like a distraction. It didn't yeah. seem like it was the like that each thing was telling him something about himself. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. literally he'd come out of these little episodes and then be thrown into like this reality where he was dealing with, you know... His sister not being able to get her book published. Yeah. You know, Kirby trying out these jokes or like, you know, talking about the... The Kirby thing I didn't... I thought should have been more played out too. Like, it should have been... If if that's what 
the goal of the whole thing was. Yeah. Like, I think they should have weaved it into the story. And were we supposed to think that this is a question? A lot of these movies tonight, I've realized I have questions about them. Like, were we supposed to think this or this? Were we supposed to think Kirby was painfully unfunny, or were we supposed to think that he's funny? I wasn't sure about that. See, but I mean, that's a bad sign. Like, we right. should know. Well, either we're we're watching a character who we know is supposed to be a bad comedian, or he's actually funny. Instead, it was like, is he funny in the world of the movie, but just not funny to me? Right. You know, and I, I was, and I don't even think Jason Schwartzman was bad. I thought everybody was was okay. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I like him. Yeah, no, I do too. I like Jason There's a, the the one scene that I genuinely laughed a lot. It's so quick, but when he he's having the Western fantasy and they ride up to that camp of like all the Indian the girls dressed in the Indian Indian outfits, he like has a moment where he's like on the horseback and like he kind of like dips his shoulder back and yeah. he's like. Are they looking at you or are they looking at me? Yeah. <laughs> like just how he delivers that yeah. line was yeah. the funniest thing to me it's, in the whole movie. And I actually rewound it and like watched it a couple yeah. times. No, Jason Schwartzman is is in a weird way part of the glue that holds this movie oh, together. Yeah. Just because he's yeah. he's got that right tone. Even though the material wasn't quite there, he's got that whimsical, I mean, all of, all of the Wes Anderson movies he's done, you know he's he's able to hit that <clears throat> tone of like somewhere between reality and and kind of a, you know somebody's imagination but uh no i you know I, I i thought of you throughout the movie though ronald i kept thinking what does ronald think of this i does liked it, it you know like I, that was one of my issues like this is one of his first like li- like main like real films in like almost 10 years mm-hmm. or eight years or whatever it is and like maybe to try to challenge yourself to do something different you know coming right. out of everything that he's gone through but like I feel like you know you just play into I mean this this could be him I mean this is this is Charlie Sheen yeah. really I mean he basically it could be was him. like three and a half men's three and a half men's three men's and a half is... men Charlie Sheen that version of well, Charlie isn't it, Sheen isn't it two and a half men two and a half or men, three men sorry. and a baby I don't watch it two is it two and a half men it's two and a half men okay I don't watch it either I just know what it's called yeah two and a half men and that version of him that yeah. that. That acting job. Thing. Well, I, I think that version of him in Two and a Half Men is really just Charlie Sheen tamed down a little bit. Well, yeah. the baggage <laughs> of Charlie Sheen works like the movie definitely trades uh, on the baggage that he brings to the movie, like his personal baggage. You are meant to, at least I think, draw a line between his personal problems and the the sort of tailspin this character's in. You know, yeah. I, th- I think you're meant, and it's almost like his image does a little bit of the work for the movie because we know who he is and we yeah. know what he represents. And it, it was weird to see him kind of playing almost like a self-parody yeah. in that way. I don't know if I if I quite felt like we we were seeing someone really turn into a character in yeah. that case. Um, there were moments when I was watching it where I thought, wow, this is only, what, 85 minutes? <laughs> and it felt long, you know? But I think yeah. sometimes if a movie doesn't have a, a, a straight plot that you're really following, it can do that. It can yeah. feel kind of long because you don't know where you should be in it, you know? Yeah. But uh, Roman Coppola, it's didn't like, this feel like a, 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 a the dare was to make a movie in a week or something like that? Yeah. Like, here's something else I didn't realize until I read on it a little bit, is that it's supposed to take place in the 70s. Yeah, yeah, you I, didn't it, know that. It well, took... it was all over the place, but it was it oh. was such it was so art directed. I right. thought we were just seeing quirky, you know <laughs> what I mean? Quirky modern And day. plus the fashions of the 70s, a lot of this if. <laughs> Like the way that the Ivana, the way that the female lead, the way she dressed and was done up, I could imagine a woman today yeah. with that style, you know? Gotcha. So it's like, I, I believe that, I mean, it, I had to stop and think, oh, yeah, there weren't any cell phones and there weren't yeah. any things like all, that. But, all equipment was kind of yeah. very old. But I thought that was, that I thought that was that Wes Anderson thing of it's yeah. a quirky world and we're showing, you know, everything's uh, yeah, here yeah. very specific and it's very art directed. But it, 
plus like uh, the character being a graphic designer, it sort of made me think, well, maybe he's got all this kind of vintage stuff. It just had to dawn on me. Oh, I'm not watching everybody wearing vintage stuff. This is <laughs> actually supposed to take place in the in the right. 70s. Um, but that's just, again, the kind of the movie never really feels re- real in that sense. Like, yeah. so it, it didn't even seem like it mattered that much what era it took yeah. place in while I was watching it. Um, what do you think of Bill Murray in it? Uh, I, I mean, he wasn't really a standout to me, which is he's a in rare, like four scenes. I mean, rare thing. I don't know. I, I it was. He I, did I didn't the, react to the film at all. Really, he did the I, Bill Murray version of phoning it in. You know, yeah. of just showing up and, yeah. and being Bill Murray. I, mean, I was like, oh yeah, you know what? I I I know you. I'll yeah. show up and shoot for a couple hours for you. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just yeah. I just I don't know. I had a bad reaction to the film overall. I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't excited to see it. Yeah. Um. But I was curious, but I definitely went towards the negative. As I started watching it, it, I was getting more curious to see where it was going. But I don't know, something about it just turns out nowhere. Yeah, right. It just seemed I don't know. Yeah, it just came off very quick, very cheap, very lacking to me in a lot of different ways. And um, who's the who's the uh, woman in it? Catherine Catherine Winnick. Winnick. Yeah, whoever she is, I'm gonna follow her career. From now on. You should probably start by following on Twitter. Mm-hmm. That's where mm-hmm. it all starts mm-hmm. these days, mm-hmm. Twitter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. I say, I cannot, rec- I don't know. I, I'm, I can't recommend the film. It's on video on demand in certain outlets right now. I, I wouldn't think recommend it's getting it to a anyone, small yeah. release in February. It. If you, um, yeah, Ronald recommends it. If you, if you find your taste in I think Ronald's, Ronald's just clinging to the fact that yeah. he pegged it as one I of I think his pride is, is very No, important. I really liked it. You know what, Ronald, really if you're still it. saying you really liked it at the end of this year, we will know this was a bad year for movies. Okay. I think you're just fresh. Yeah, maybe it's that's what slate. it is. This is a it's a new year. It's really all of the new 2013 movies I've seen, <laughs> besides the one we're going to talk about next, right? All right, let's go yeah. into that. A nice yeah. transition. I like what you did there. <laughs> this um, is this is the other the, the third film that you've the seen third film of 2013. Me. Um, John dies at the end. He does. Huh. Wow, way to ruin it for everybody. Yeah, thanks for the spoiler, Ronald. So much for our spoiler What's the movie episode? called? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is an interesting interesting film. Uh, Don Coscarelli, who wrote the screenplay and directed it, is the guy who directed all the Phantasm movies and also uh, was responsible for a little little cult classic that I think we all sort of like in this room, yeah. Baba Hotep. Baba Hotep, Hotep. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, this was... You know, Paul Giamatti got involved in this because he was supposed to star as Colonel Tom Parker in the sequel to Bubba Hotep, mm-hmm. uh, opposite Ron Perlman, who was going to replace uh, Bruce Campbell as Elvis. <laughs> and then that movie fell apart due to lack of funding, and then Paul Giamatti just kind of stuck around. But I feel like Paul Giamatti's presence really does a lot for this this movie's overall vibe, you know? Yeah. Like it's like he's he's the right kind of name actor to show up in this kind of weird kind of campy genre thing and sort mm-hmm. of legitimize it, but also it seems pretty apparent to me that this is the kind of movie Paul Giamatti wants to make. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, what what's John Dyson about, John? Or yeah, Ronald? John. Um, it's about these two kind of stoner guys. Um, actually, we don't really know for sure whether they're stoner guys or whether they just are uh, tripping constantly on this strange substance known as uh, soy sauce. Soy sauce. Um, I love that name. I've had that a couple times. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a it's a pretty trippy movie. I thought the movie actually, like, evoked the sense of kind of having a, a long night with a sort of a hallucinogenic kind of tint to it. I mean, it was... It, it, it follows a real circuitous logic but it's the story of these two guys who it's kind of like they get hooked on this drug 
soy sauce, but it's it's more about the effects of this drug. What it does is it sort of makes you more uh, susceptible to and aware of uh, the sort of weird things going on around you all the time. You start to Mm -hmm. see how they're connected. So my impression was this soy sauce, not only did it, were they able to sort of like, I mean, it's pretty weird, all the stuff that happens in the movie, but it's like, you know, you can psychically link with the dead and you can, um, it makes it easier for you to travel, travel to alternate dimensions, it seemed. I mean, there were definitely a lot of, this movie grabs from a lot of different, types of films you know but you have phone conversations on random things yeah hot dogs yeah that that was so (laughs) great yeah so the first thing you have to know before you see this movie is that nothing about it is normal and you have to suspend disbelief is that did i say that no you said it right okay damn damn it i always feel weird after like did i say that right but you have to like it is an incredibly weird movie like it's well, but within minutes, it lets you know. And I think that's what's kind of cool about yes. it is that within a few scenes, you know, okay, I'm either I'm either going to enjoy the kind of silliness. That this yeah, you're either up for it or you're not. And, right. it, and it puts it out there pretty quickly. And I thought you, that opening scene with the axe was a great, like that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah. Where it just it introduces this sort of, there's like a philosophical question that comes in at the end of the opening. Mm. It sort of sets the tone for the kind of movie you're watching where it's all, it's almost like mental puzzles. Like scenes are yeah. scenes play out in a way where you don't really know what's going on. And then you find out what's going on and it just deepens, you know? Yeah. I feel like this movie could have used a few more million dollars just to pull off some of the things that they were going for. Yeah. There's a few places where the effects really kind of let the material <laughs> down, but I don't, it didn't really, it didn't stop me from generally. I mean, every time I was sort of, it would lose me. There would be something that would happen that would, that would get me right back. Yeah. Like, there's a female character who seems like kind of an extra character, and I was wondering what she was even doing in the movie. And at the very moment I was wondering that, it became apparent why she was in the movie. Great. And then that part was kind of cool. Like, the little detail of how they get in that door in that scene was, yeah, was really cool. So, yeah. Again, I couldn't say it was great, but I, I it kept winning me back over. Yeah, I, I would watching. say, like, it, it's it's not that they're this, a similar film at all, but, like, this film and, and Charles Swan... Like you can see that they're both movies that, with a little more of something, they mm-hmm. would have been maybe something pretty good, mm-hmm. you know. But John dies at the end. I definitely was, I was on, I was in, in for the ride, you know. Like, I, I, you know, with the things that seem kind of off or weird or whatever. Like, actually, one of the things, like, I feel like the two lead males, like the two lead guys, should have had switched roles. I don't know something about. The guy who played Dave and versus the guy who played John, I almost mm-hmm. felt like those two actors should have switched places, and I would have been. Yeah. Did you get that vibe at well, all? That guy, like, Dave, the guy who played Dave had that kind of constipated face. Yeah. Throughout the whole movie, and there were times where it really worked, but there were times where it felt like maybe he was kind of overplaying it. Right. And I felt like the character, the guy who played John, was a little bit more, I don't know, subtle or something. They both were. They, the, the one thing, you, their chemistry was was pretty good. Oh yeah, I mean, I think but either you're right, way, them them bouncing the off of no. one another. Worked, I don't disagree with that at all. Worked though. well, but I could just see the guy that played John. This because I mean, John is the title character, but our 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 main character is Dave, and mm-hmm. I feel like the guy that played John, like there's much more about him that I would have followed, or that I mm-hmm. would have like kind of stood behind him and went on this story with him. Yeah. Um, no, that you're right. Dave was a little one note. The actor yeah, that played him. And, I mean, and maybe I, I haven't read the book that it's based off of. Mm-hmm. From apparently, actually, David Wong, as he was a writer on Cracked, it's like his novel and that's why the character's name is david wong mm-hmm. but um i don't know i thought it was fun it, it's kind of weird it's not i wouldn't say that i like loved it or really really liked it yeah it's i liked it it's something very different and it's something that's you know you can if you can appreciate that like throwback 
element to it. Yeah. And like you said, Paul Giamatti's involvement is always kind of fun. And I don't, I can never remember the actor's name, but he played the teacher in Gremlins. He's in it. He's also, he's he played Mayor Royce on The Wire. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can never remember his name, but um, his, his Ro- scenes are really fun. Not Robert Wisdom. <laughs> Robert Wisdom? Glenn uh, Terman. Glenn Terman. Glenn Terman, yeah. There you, go. Uh, you were close, John. Yeah. It, it reminded, <laughs> Robert Wisdom was a different actor on The Wire, I think. It, it reminded me of just back in the day when you would go to like a video store and look in the horror section and see a weird, cool cover, get it, and it was fucking pretty good. But it wasn't the best. But it was worth watching again. It, it, there's a specific movie it reminds me of. What's that? House. Oh, yeah. I would. I agree. Yeah, that movie was like that movie was so strange to me. The house like, with William Cat, right? There was the, the blonde the, curly hair. The one where yeah. they go Not to the, the one ultimate, that came out a couple years ago. The right. one where they went to the yes, yeah. the one when they would go to the ultimate, ultimate universe. Universe, yeah. and there was like a cowboy with a mustache. Yep, yep, yep. I no, was thinking. I, I was thinking house, and I was thinking Bill and Ted. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like a Same blend thing. of those two. Yeah. It's got um, like the dark, the humor. Yeah. No, I, mean, I mean, realistically, if that sounds good to you, you'll probably find something to like about there this you movie. go. Because yeah. I can Ted totally see t- this being <laughs> a, a a movie. Like I want. It's funny the way you said it, Steve. That you said you didn't you didn't really like it, like it. But like, if this was on, or if I could see myself showing this to a friend of mine who likes weird movies, totally, w- without even saying this is great, but just like. Check it out. I want to see what you think, kind yeah. of thing. And I could also see, um, and this reminds me of we were talking about this before with Django and Chain, Ronald, about how something about Tarantino's movies, he's uh, he seems to know that he's making cult films. Mm-hmm. This movie yeah. did feel sort of like it was assembled yeah. to deliberately to be a cult film. It was going but, for something, but like I that. thought it was relatively successful. In it. Like something I about so the too. way the material and the budget meet in the middle. It's like you could see it being better. But in a weird way, if it had been better and the effects had been more slick, I don't know that it might not be... Like, if it had been in that next tier of in terms of budget. Sure. I don't know that it would have worked as well. Something about the sc- mm. something about the sort of... It would have felt like it was trying too hard, the beast. Uh, yeah. I, 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 it yeah, would have had... To, yeah. I, I mean, I just think there was something that was kind of... It had that kind of indie vibe to it. And I think there's something about that that you lose if you've got totally state-of-the-art, everything across the board. But I again, I would have loved to have seen some of those digital effects done better. And I thought the way the movie ended with the story basically just keeping on going over yeah. in credit yeah. was, was really cool. Yeah. Really cool. It. I mean, it, it, I liked the, the conversation that they were having, Paul Giamatti's character and the, and the lead were having, that weaved in and out of the, the movie was really cool. I mean, like I, it felt, it felt like an older movie. Like it felt like something that could have easily come out. Oh yeah, in the in the early nineties, and that wasn't a bad thing. Like I, th- I think that it's like a video. You were saying it like a video store movie. This is yeah, something you would have picked. I up. did. The weird part was, I as I'm watching the first like half an hour, I was like, I don't like this movie, but I sat through the whole thing, and I was like, man, that was it's kind of fun. Kind of fun. Yeah. I liked it. I like. I think I liked it. Yeah. In the end, um, it had a lot of weird twists in it. It did a good job of had sketch. A of, it had a lot of boobs too. Yeah, when they went to the alternate universe. Yeah, I don't know. If There's something kind of strange about about uh, topless women wearing disgusting masks. <laughs> oh my god! You know what that whole thing reminded me of? Have you ever seen the um, the Twilight Zone episode "Eye of the Beholder"? Yes. Oh, I totally. Co- yeah. I couldn't get that out of my head as I watched as they go to this world where like they're wearing these masks that are kind of like. Almost pig like ones, pig face. That was one. Of, that is one of the best Twilight Zone. Absolutely, movies. I'm yeah. glad we're all on the same I page. I love that story. Like it was so good. Yeah, that that whole world reminded. I couldn't get it out of my yeah. head, but yeah, I mean that is kind of hard to watch. You know, 
a pig with boobs. Yeah, yeah. you're so conflicted. <laughs> you want to like, what do you want to do, run or just kind of yeah. put two hands out and see what <laughs> right, happens? Right. Exactly. Um, I don't know. It was fun. I, I'd actually, you know, I, I agree with John. Like, I, I had no problem recommending this to somebody that I think would would just kind of have fun with it, just go yeah, with yeah. it, and just kind of like appreciate that it's not, it's not some big studio, and and it, you know, it doesn't boast that at all. It's yeah. not like. You know, it's a big studio release that's trying to get everybody to say, you're all going to like this movie. Yeah. It's a very niche film, and it's like, it's audience. It's kind of film where I truly believe it's audience, and most will find it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I agree. Through people like us that see it and recommend it to people that appreciate little movies yeah. like that, that can just the, be kind of fun. The issue, I guess the issue really now is that movies like that used to get made all the time, just in terms of people taking chances on weird stuff. Well, really, in the days before all the digital effects became the norm, you did see more weird, inventive uses of a budget yeah, and yeah. the puppetry. And I mean, there were so many moments in this, it's like you would never say it didn't look fake, but there's a certain <laughs> charm to it because there's like a scene early on where there's this meat monster. <laughs> and the so way that funny. the way that happens is so silly and campy, but also you just roll with it. And then a few minutes later, it's an actual character that has a beat or two. You yeah. know, I, I don't know. I thought that I thought it's they like, did. I thought they did a good job of sketching in the kind of like you're in a new scenario. What are the rules of this little scenario? And yeah. what, what did we learn from yeah. this? The yeah. dialogue was I thought it was really well written in that sense. Like I found That's myself so thinking this movie moves through a lot of different ideas and a lot of material and it does it rather cheaply and it does it with a certain economy of character. It's not like a huge cast. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I felt like this was the least populated city in the U.S. It was. Or just a town where nobody was concerned about people driving around shooting people and stuff. Felt but, like Albuquerque. But it was kind of bombed out post-apocalyptic. Like there's a scene in an old mall that really was like they oh, emphasized yeah. how old it was, but every town has some rundown old mall in it that nobody goes to anymore. Right. Um, yeah, it just, outside of those little things where the world felt kind of small, I I, th- I thought it, yeah, I thought it it was interesting and it was creative. What did you and think about, like, <laughs> how dark it got at times? Like, just the part, like, you remember in the house with the guy, the black guy, and mm-hmm. the, the fire? I don't want to give away. Oh, you mean the darkness in that sense? Darkness Not like in that how, sense. like, the dark lighting, but yeah, you mean, like, like how dark... It, no, it, like was, a... it went there with some pretty <laughs> gruesome stuff yeah. in some parts. Was, I thought it was... I don't know. And the more I think about it, I just liked it. So it was Robert Marley. He was supposed to be a fake Jamaican, right? He was supposed to be a Jamaican. What the fuck was that? Because that was another, I don't know what I was supposed to think. Was I I supposed to think he was a fake, a blatantly fake Jamaican? Or was he... Yeah, I think he was supposed to be like a a a poser. Well, the fact that his name was Robert Marley. That scene was so weird. He's like, I'm going to tell you your future. That was so weird. I liked that scene, though. Yeah, I did, too. It made me want to do soy sauce. And I'm not a drug user. (laughs) This was such a strange effect that it had on people. I would say that movie uh, did not make me want to do soy sauce because I, I don't know if you noticed, but oh yeah, things people... didn't turn out that great for most of the people that did soy sauce. Yeah, it's just the beginning where you could like see yeah. things ahead of. Yeah. yeah, that was cool. And then the other stuff was like, whoa, this is not good. It's, it, it's really weird, but like the scene where he first gets stuck in the leg with it, and like he picks up the syringe, and it's like growing hair and yeah, shit. Yeah. That shit creeps me out. Yeah, it was pretty That makes me look. really uncomfortable, little things like that. Like, yeah. nothing really scares me, but that, like, something that subtle. And I feel like there's little touches in, like, Phantasm. I remember watching mm-hmm. it when I was younger. Little things with the ball, and, like, just the close-up shots of when it hits people. Like, uh, th- that scene uh, with the with the suey sauce, the first time you see mm-hmm. it, like, coming out of the syringe, that makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I don't know what it there is. There were a lot but of little scenes it's like with liquid. the soy sauce where it, get, it got weird. Yeah, like, like liquid, like liquid with like pricks coming out of it yeah. and like little hair. I don't know. That's weird shit. Yeah, that bothers me. <laughs> it makes me like itchy a little bit. That was something like it. I, and then I also felt like a sense of like urgency a lot. Like, like the scene where like like somebody was there and then they were like, "He's dead." Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Like he was like there <laughs> a second ago. Like how's he dead? That was a lot of that. I thought that was pretty cool. Um. So I don't know. Well, overall, overall, I think it's worth seeing. I don't know. Like Bubba Hotep. I love Bubba Bubba Hotep. I'll probably never watch Bubba Hotep right. um, a lot. But I liked it. I liked it. And I'll probably was, never watch it a lot. I'll probably never watch it a lot. You know, I like so, Drive I can watch a lot. Like Drive I can watch once a week. Maybe mm-hmm. twice a week. Bubba Hotep I couldn't watch often. But that's kind of how I feel about uh John Dies at the end. I, I feel like it's one of those movies that I I could watch every once in a while. Yeah, but I'd hang out with my enough. friends that I know would appreciate yeah. it and maybe watch it again. So, you know, kind of, a, I guess, a bunch of different movies we talked about here. Um, it sounds like John Dies at the End was the clear winner of this I think so, yeah. I was going to say, I think that overall, you know, it's kind of like the one, probably the most odd film out of the bunch, but yeah. it's kind of, I had the most fun with it. And, I, you know, I, I would not, I would not be opposed to watching it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Mama, maybe for the horror fan, you know, I wouldn't, I, I mean, it's PG thirteen horror. I think that's I the would, other thing that we didn't really talk about yeah. was that every time that movie almost got really scary, the PG thirteen rating just sw- just swept up, right yeah. in and 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 maybe stopped wait, the just, scene just short. wait for it on DVD. Yeah, but uh, I I can't say anything positive about Charles Swan. Yeah, I'm sorry. I liked it. I can only say can I can only say that as a character study of a guy who's dealing with a post breakup kind of uh, psychotic break. I thought that it was interesting in that it was trying to mine that territory, but in general. Uh, that was the only thing I found interesting about it. Right. So, Mama's in theaters now. Charles Swan, select uh, video on demand outlets. It's going to be getting a small release in early February. And um, John Dies at the End is also available on select video on demand outlets as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, some of these, you can basically get access to all these movies now if you want to check them out. Um, if you do decide to watch any of them, as always, hit us up and let us know what you thought about them. Movieshmovie at gmail.com. Um, Facebook.com slash movie schmovie. What else? Anything else? You Ronald, like Ronald? Ronald we, we just set the table for you. What? Give us a non sequitur. Give us one of those famous Ronald James non sequiturs. It's cold uh, outside. Pe- doing, people man. need it. If Charlie Swan the third, Charles Swan the third, okay. it's a movie that you're doubting seeing. The woman's boobs in this movie. Okay. So that was the boob report portion of this episode. <laughs> we should have a piece of that with every episode. For any film that we review, <laughs> review, if there's like a boob element to it, we need to specifically point that out. A boob element. Yeah. You like that? <laughs> You're like, breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> this movie there was a pair of boobs spotted in the, at minute mark 34. I think that's what Mr. Skin yeah, does. Uh, this movie has a boob factor of four. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad we watched such different movies. There was, these are very... Different yeah. all over the the movie spectrum, and it does kind of feel like only at this time of year, only you know, only right. only now would you get this many weird, short, little odd, yeah. malformed movies. Because we got some craziness coming this year. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully, hopefully, so. so very cool. Well, like we said, some these films are all available now in some way, shape, or form. So definitely seek them out if any of them sound interesting to you. Um, as always, you can hit us up on the sites that I just listed. Email any ideas you have for shows or movies that you want us to talk about. Um, I don't know. I don't really have anything else to say, John. Anything? No. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yep. 
Yep. I, I third that. Thanks. You third it. Thanks <laughs> for listening. There's three thanks all for you guys. Ah. Um, <laughs> I don't have anything else. It's like we're having separation anxiety. I don't, we don't, I don't, we don't want to leave you guys. Oh, it, it's like, uh, even though we had that long episode last week, it's like, I'm just so used to talking. I know, now, man. I got to just, we got to just stop. Because we're going to have an episode next week and we can talk more. Yeah. yeah. That's the idea of this they, whole they thing. They can't all be epics. Yeah. Right, right. This is just true. save them. But uh, as always, guys, thank you so much for listening and uh, you've made our day. Take care. <laughs>